pick it up from Daftez Zion Amid We're up to the word Gufa. It's four lines from the wide lines. So it's about eight lines up, nine lines up. So the Gemara says Gufa. Eilu manikam lahem. The, the, it's a as to which avodim do you have to give a severance gift. And tomorrow, today's daf will talk about what that gift is, how much money, whatever. But which, which are the avodim that you have to give a gift? So, hayoytze b'shanim, someone who leaves after six years. Hayoytze b'yoyvel, someone who leaves after yoyvel. Mises adoin, someone who had a piercing, they leave when the master dies, so you also have to give him a gift. Am b'simanim, a maidservant that leaves when she becomes bat mitzvah, everyone gets a gift. What's the one case where you don't get a gift? Bereach, if you run away. You run away, okay. If you escape, you're not giving the guy a gift. The yaitzah begroin kasef. Or if the slave buys his way out. Because if the slave buys his way out, he's leaving. Basically, this Tana believes you give a gift when you're sending them away. But when they're leaving on their own, either by running away or by buying the way out, I don't have to give them a gift. Rav Meir he disagrees. He says, no, I agree that if the guy ran away, you don't give him a gift. But but when he buys his way out, you have to give him a gift. Why? So as we're going to see in a moment, the Pasuk describes a slave buying his way out as me sending. I, the master, send them out because I'm accepting the money on his behalf, so it's me sending him out. So therefore, you have to give him a gift. So the Machloikas Tanoim is whether you have to give a gift to a slave who buys his way out. Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon has this rule. There are four types of slaves that you buy your way out. They have to give a severance pay. And we had yesterday, it was uh, leaving after year six, leaving after Yoival, a Nirza that leaves by Yoival, and uh, an Amavriya by Simanim. Those are the four we had yesterday. Not all four apply to one sex because women don't have the piercing and men don't have the bat mitzvah thing. Right? Okay, fine. But you have a machlekes tanoim. The first two opinions is they argue about whether you have to give a gift to someone who buys his way out. Definitely, if he runs away, you don't have to. But if he buys his way out, is a machlekes. What's the machlekes about? Now, the pasuk that describes a severance gift only describes it for someone, a slave who leaves after six years. So you might think that it only applies to that slave. How do I know to include the other categories? Someone who leaves at yovel, someone who had piercings and then the master died, or the amevria when she becomes bat mitzvah. The Pasuk describes sending them away with severance gift twice. It says it twice. So the extra second one is to include the other slaves. Okay. Now once you're including slaves, maybe you should also include a slave who ran away on his own and a slave who buys his way his freedom. The Pasuk describes the severance gift as when you're sending him away. That excludes someone who runs away and someone who buys his way out because that's not the master sending them out, that's them leaving on their own. Rav Meir, he disagrees. He says, no. I agree that if the guy ran away, you don't have to send him a gift. But if he bought his way out, you have to send him, why? Because that's called sending him out. The Pasuk says, that the master has to accept the money and set him free. So that's, uh, that's a, that requires a severance pay. Now let me ask you a question. The, the, everyone agrees that if someone ran away, you don't have to give him a gift. First of all, of course you don't have to give him a gift. He ran away. 
What's the halacha if a slave runs away? You capture him, and he's got to finish his time. So I, I don't understand. If you caught him and brought him back, then he has to finish his time, and he does get a severance pay. If you don't catch him, no one's going to have a half a I have to search throughout the world to find my lost runaway slave to give him a gift. So what exactly is the, the half a that a severance pay should be given to a runaway slave? So the Gemara says, boy. I don't understand. If the guy ran away, he has to come back and finish his time, and then you do give him a gift. So what, what are you talking about? The Tanya, How do I know that if a slave ran away, you have to get him back? Meaning, if he's captured, he has to finish his time. He has to do six years. Now the Brisa, before we answer the question, the Brisa just finishes up. What happens if the slave is sick? You have him for six years? Two months, he had, uh, he had mano for, for six months. Does he have to do an additional six months after six years? The Pasuk says, no, even if you're sick, you don't go past six years. Okay, which we'll analyze in a moment. So the kasha is, if you run away, I don't understand, you, he's got he's to finish his time. So what do you mean, you don't give him a gift? If he finishes his time, you do give him a gift. The case is, the slave ran away a week before Yoival. And then Yoival comes, so now he's officially done, so he doesn't have to be captured again. So you might think that because Yoival hit, I sh- he should get a severance gift. No, because he ran away, we take it away from him. So again, the case is that he ran away, and then Yoival hit a month, a year, whatever it is, Yoival hit. So he doesn't have to be recaptured and brought back, because Yoival exempted him. So you might think that because there was Yoival, he should get a severance gift. No, because he ran away, we're not going to do it. You might think that because Yoival hit, at the end of the day, he should get a severance gift. No. Okay. <clears throat> the Brisa said that if an Evid is sick, he does not have to make up the time that he was ill. What happens if he was sick for all six years? From the time you got him, he was sick. From the time you got him, he had a back injury day one, he was never the same. So the Gemara says, we finish in the Brisa, Yetzir. The, the Brisa said that even if he's sick, he leaves after seven years. The implication is, even if he's sick all six years, he never did a day of work, he still goes free. Is that true? For Tanya, the Brisa says, The Brisa said that if he worked half the time, three years, fine. But if he was sick, so if he was sick half the time, that's fine. But if he's sick six years, he has to redo it. So wait a minute, so does he have to redo it if he's ill or not? The case is that he doesn't have to redo it even if he's sick for all six years, is while he was sick, he couldn't do manual labor, but he was stitching for you. Meaning, he was sick for, sick for six years, so he couldn't lift for six years. But he still worked for you. So if he didn't do any work at all, he would have to do another six years. The case is, well, he still did uh, you know, stitching, he did you know, tedious work, so, fine, Yoytze Zayin, he's Yoytze, he doesn't have to do it. Okay, fine. Now, the, the problem, the, this Bryce is a little bit funny. The Bryce has said that if he's sick for three years and worked for three years, then it's fine, because he worked for half. But if he's sick for all six, no good. What if he's sick for four? Right, you, t- you go from three to six. Right, If he's sick for three years and worked for three years, fine, he worked for half the time. At least he got half the time. It wasn't like he was sick the whole time. But if he's sick for all six years, no good. What if he's sick for, sick for four years? Why are you going from three to six? What about four? 
So the Gemara says, Hagufakash, I don't understand. Amrit the Brisa said that if he's sick for three years and works for three years, he's Yotza, which implies that as long he has to work for at least half the time to be Yotza. The implication is that if he's sick for four years, the majority no good. But then you said, But then you got finished saying that only if he's sick for all six years does he have to redo it. The implication is all, not majority. So the question is, what if he is sick for four years? Majority. Does majority say that it's as if he didn't work at all? Or you say, no, at the end of the day, he worked something. So, Ahachikamer, this is how you're supposed to read it. If he's sick for four years, it's as if he's sick for all six, and he doesn't. So, he has to, if he's sick for the majority of the time, no good. He has to redo it. Okay. Now, how much do I would assume it's a good shot. I would assume he just has to redo the years that he was. Saying. I don't think he has to redo all six. He just has to redo four. That's what I would assume. Um, okay. Now here's the question. If he works four out of six, then it's not a. Then he's fine. Now here's the question. How much do you have to give as a severance gift? I think my father asked this a couple days ago. I just didn't do the stuff yet. How much do you have to give as a severance gift? Now the pasuk says the pasuk describes the severance gift that you'll give him from sheep from grain, and from wine. The question is, does it have to be those? How much of those? Okay, so let's run through it. How much is the severance gift? So, the opinion of Rav Meir is, you have to give five sloim worth of grain, five sloim worth of sheep, and five sloim worth of wine. Now, five times three is how much? Fifteen. Therefore, says Rav Meir, you have to give five of each. There are three things. So that's 15 slime worth. Now the Gemara is going to ask in a question in a moment, why does our mayor have to do the math for us? Just say five of each. I'll be able to figure out five times three is 15. Okay, fine. But that's our mayor's opinion. So it's, it's 15 slime. Rav Yudah Aymer Shloishim. Rav Yudah says, no, it's 30 slime. Why? Kishloishim shall evet. Now he doesn't say 30 of what? He's just saying 30 total. Why? Because it's learned out from the shloishim of an evid. The halacha is that if an ox kills an evid, you have to pay the master 30 slime. So therefore, we have a connecting the two. So in the same way, if you kill an evid, it's 30 slime, you have to pay the master. So to the evid goes three, it's 30 slime. So you got 15, 30, and the last opinion is of Shimon Chamishim. He says it's 50 slime. Why? Kechamishim which is the highest value of Erechen. Erechen is, if you say Erki a lie, right? That means that you have to donate that amount to the Beis HaMikdash. Different people have different values. The highest value of Erechen is 50. So he has a Gzereshava learning it out from Erechen. So you have 15, 30, and 50. Okay. So now let's analyze it. Now the only one who said that it has to be of each min is Rav Meir. Right? Rav Shimon just said 30. It could be 30 of grain. I don't care. Rav Meir is like 5 of grain, 5 of sheep, 5 of wine. Which is a total of 15. Okay. So the Gemara says, Rav Meir The question is, why did Rav Meir have to count it up? Five of each? How many are there? Three? Which is a total of 15. Well, okay, I get it. I can do five times three. It's basic math. I can do that. Why did Rav Meir have to say it's a total of 15? The answer is, Hakimash Mulan. Where Rav Meir is saying is like this Ideally, you give five of each. But let's say you decide, I want to give seven and a half of wine, two and a half of grain, and five of sheep. That's fine. Rameir's point is, 
ideally five of each, but at the end of the day, as long as it's 15, that's all that matters. You can do a little bit less, a little bit more. As long as you get to 15 at the end, I don't really care. So that's why Ramirez had to say 15, because his point was, it's five of each, but it's not locked in five of each. You want to give four and six and five, that's also fine. As long as it's 15 at the end, you're fine. Then, okay, so Ramirez learn, says 15, five or each. Rav Shimon says 30, and Rav Yehuda says 50. So let's analyze the sources. Says Correct. It's ideally five of each, but it doesn't have to be five of each. Now, what, what's the source of Rameir? My time with the Rameir. Rameir's source is like this. Yalof reikam reikam mi It says the word reikam by bechar. It says by pidyon ben, which is how much? Five coins, five slime. It says reikam over here. So just like over there, it's five. Over here, it's five. And each one gets its own five. So five by sheep, five by grain, five by wine. Okay, so five times three. That's it. Reikam reikam mibachar. Malon, just like by Pedina Ben, it's five sloim. Afkan chamesh sloim. So to be here, it's five sloim because it says the word same word here and there. I am a chamesh sloim mikulu. Maybe it's like a Pedina Ben that it's a total of five. How do you know that it's five for each category, which is a total of fifteen? Iksiv reikam libesayiv kidgamrit. Hashdich siv reikam bereisha. Shadi reikam atzoy reikam agoyin reikam ayekev. The answer is it says reikam by the beginning of the pasuk. So because it says by the beginning of the Pasuk, that means Reikam for each. The Pasuk says, Hanik Tanik Loi. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Hanik Tanik Loi. The Pasuk says, Loi Sushachenu Reikam, Mechis Sushachenu Chavshim Eimach, Loi Sushachenu Reikam. And then it describes it. It says the word Reikam before describing the gifts. Right? It says that. And then in the next passage, it describes Gairin, Yaakov, So because it says Reikam before the categories, that means each category gets its own Reikam. Reikam equals five. From the Gzera Shava, learned out from Pidyan Aben. Now the Gemara says Akasha. That, that, let me explain one thing. This is very important to realize how Gzera Shavas work. Gzera Shavas were based on Misora. It's not something you could think of. But the way it works is they have a halacha l'moshe Messinai of Exer Shava, and it was a Mesorah. But the Mesorah never really specifically said what to learn out. They would just get a Mesorah of, you would tell Rev Akiva, Rev Akiva heard from his Rebbe, um, Reikam by Eved, and there's just, by Eved, you want to know the amounts? The, the word Reikam. He is supposed to now look at which Reikam, it could be this one, it could be that one. So that's why you could have with the Shailu the Gzair Shava, why are you learning at Reikam from here? Learn at Reikam from there. Because they were just told Reikam Gzair Shava. They were never told specifically where. So you're telling me it says the word Reikam over here, and he knows there's a Mesorah to have a Gzair Shava with the word Reikam. So he figures out Reikam by Pidyan Aben, which is 15. So the Gemara says, Nalef Reikam Reikam Olas Ria. Why don't you use the word Reikam by Olas Ria? By the Olas Ria, the carbon. The value of the carbon, it says reikam, right? That you, when you go to be olaregel, don't show up reikam empty-handed. Bring a carbon. Now, the value of the carbon was way less than five slime. So, if you're going to learn out from both, right? Again, he has a mesar to learn out reikam. So he's going with reikam to pidyan aben, which is equal to fifteen slime. Why not go reikam to olasria, which was like two ma'a, which was way less than fifteen slime? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. The Pasuk's talking about a severance gift. The point of the severance gift is to bless, because it, the Pasuk says you should help the Eved out because he blessed your household. So it makes more sense in the, in the mind of Rav Meir, if you have a choice to make the Gzair Shava to 15 Slaim or to 2 Ma, 
makes more sense, 15 slarm. The whole point of a severance gift is to pay back the slave for what he did for you. It makes more sense that you wouldn't go cheap. That's the point. So it's the equivalent of like you have a Shava to $10,000 or 100 bucks. It makes more sense. The whole point of this is to bless the is to bless the Evid because he blessed your household. It makes more sense the Ratzon Hashem would be the higher value. Okay, that's Rav Meir. That's but it was Masora. It never said where. That's my point. The Gzair Shava was. They told your Rebbe told you. Rafam told you. The Gzair Shava is by by uh, the value of severance gift Reikam. So he knows to look for the word Reikam. So he looks through the whole Torah. The word Reikam comes in multiple times. Now he's got to figure out, is it Reikam here or Reikam there? That, that's why you have Machloikim sometimes Gzair Shavas, because they they, you can't make up Gzair Shavas, but you don't always know necessarily which sugyas to compare. Let's go to the next one. That's Rameir. Rav Yehuda says 30. Okay? Rav Yehuda Mishloishim, Kishloishim Shal Eved. The 30 severance gift is learned out from killing an Eved. By the way, Eved to Eved. Now, what's his source? My time is Rav Yehuda, Nolf, Nesina, Nesina, Me Eved. He was told the word Nesina. So, he goes, Nesina, Nesina to Eved. Ma'lalan Shloishim, Afkan Shloishim. It says the word Nesina here, by the severance gift. It says the word Nesina by killing an Eved. Eved to Eved, boom, 30. So the Gemara says, oh, v'neilav nesina nesina me'erichin. Again, they were not told which nesina. So the Gemara says, we'll learn now from erichin. Erichin is 50. So you're going 30, go 50, go big. V'neilav nesina nesina me'erichin. Malolanch chamishim avkan chamishim. So the answer is, tafasta meruba loy tafasta, tafasta meruba tafasta, which is, while we don't want to go cheap, you don't have to go big. Tafasta meruba, when you try to grab too much, you end up grabbing nothing. So he was given a choice to compare to 30 or 50, the 30 makes more sense to him. And also, secondly, also, Eved Me'eved Havlamilov, it makes more sense to learn out, again, you have a choice to learn out severance gift by a slave to the death of a slave or to Erechin of a free man. It makes more sense to him to go Eved to Eved. So those are the two reasons why he went 30 to 30 by Nasina, even though he could have gone Nasina to 50, but Tfasta Merubalay Tfasta, you don't have to go cheap, but you also don't have to go super big. And also, secondly, it made more sense to him that the Gzair Shava would be connecting Eved to Eved as opposed to Eved to Erechen. Okay, that's our view, that very simple. True, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Now the Gemara says, My time, Derev Shimon. They also have the same values. Okay, different values, but they figured it out. My time is Rav Shimon. Now, the, the kasha is like this. Why does Rav Shimon go 50? The answer is, so the Gemara says, All the arguments that we just got finished saying that Rav Yudah did not like, Rav Shimon's cool with. It says the word Nesina here. Rav Shimon had a Messiah of Nesina. So he goes Nesina here to Nesina to Erechen. Just like over there is 50, so to over here it's 50. The Gemara is... Now, quick question. I understand you're comparing it to Erechen. Erechen has different values. Why are you going the most value of Erechen? Go the cheapest. Go 20, right? There are different values. Erechen is a value of different people. So 50 is the highest. Why not go the cheapest? Go 20. The answer is, the whole point is to bless the slave. We're not going to go cheap. We're going to go big. Oh, The answer is like this. The question is like this. Rav, Rav Shimon, again, Rav Shimon learned out 30. Why? Because he learned out Nesina by Evid to the death of an Evid. So we said, why not go by Erechin? Nesina, Nesina. So we said, don't, you don't go too big. Secondly, it makes more sense Evid to Evid. What is, then comes Rav Yehuda, and he says, I say 50. 
Why Erechen? Why? Nesina, Nesina. He has the same Nesina, he has the same Mesora, but instead of going Nesina Evet to Evet, he goes Evet to Erechen. Does that make sense? If you're given the same words as the Mesora of Exerishava, why would he go to Erechen and not go Evet to Evet? The same arguments that Rav Shimon had is very convincing. Why would Rav Yehuda ignore Rav Shimon's point? Again, it's not like Rav Yehuda was told by his Rebbe, go to Erechen. He was given the word Nesina. So he's going to say, I'm going to go to Erechen. First of all, that's going big. And usually there's a rule to fast and ruby. You don't go the biggest. You don't go the cheapest, but you don't go the biggest. And secondly, why would you skip Evid to Evid and go Evid to Erechen? So the answer is, the Gemara says, good point. The Gemara says, uh, Rav Shimon, Micha, Micha Gamar. The answer is, Rav Shimon did not have the Mesora of Nesina. If he had the Mesora of Nesina and he was given the choice which sugya to compare it to, he would compare it to, er- to, to Ev- Evid. The answer is, he was given the Mesora of Micha. The word Micha, it says over here, and the word Micha, it says over there, just like over here, by, by Erechen. So therefore, he's not given the choice. Meaning, we thought he was going with the word Nesina. When it's the word Nesina, there's multiple choices. You can go Erechen, you can go Evan. He should go Evan. The answer is he did not have the Mesorah of Nesina like Rav Shimon. He had the Mesorah of Micha. And therefore, he had one choice and one choice only, and that is Erechen. Okay. Let me ask you a question. So we said, what are the values? So Rav Shimon said 30, Rav Yehuda said 50, Rav Meir said 5 of each, which is 15. The Pasuk describes three ways to give severance gift. Sheep, grain, wine. According to Rav Meir, it makes sense. Each one is 5. That's why the Pasuk describes each one. Each one being 5. Ideally, you give 5 of each. According to Rav Shimon, you just give 30. I don't care what you give from. According to you, you just give 50. I don't care what you give from. So why is the Pasuk describing three different things? If, if you, according to Shimon, you could just give 30 slaim of grain, then why does the Pasuk describe grain, sheep, and, and wine? Well, what's the point of that? According to Rameir, you're supposed to give ideally five of each. Okay, fine. So the Pasuk describes what you're supposed to ideally give. But according to Shimon, Rav Yehuda, it's just a value. So why does the Pasuk specifically describe those categories when it doesn't have to be given from those categories? So the Gemara says, um, Bishlam in the first wide line. What does the Rav Yehuda and Rav Shimon do with the words Tsangar and Yaakov? Why does the Pasuk describe these categories? So, it's used for the following Brysa. The Brysa says, The Brysa says, You might think that you have to give specifically sheep, wine, or grain. How do I know that you can give anything? I can give him a car, I can give him, you know, any other thing. The Pasuk says, whatever blessings you got from God. So it could be anything. So oh, so wait, this mamish, this kasha. If you can give any amount, any item, why does the Pasuk specifically say sheep, wine, and grain? The answer is, the answer is, sheep, wine, and grain have a uniqueness, and that is, they grow. Sheep literally grows. Wine uh, goes up in value over time, and grain literally grows. Therefore, you have to give something that actually grows in value. To exclude, yatsuk safim, which excludes cash. Meaning, you have to give something that actually grows, physically grows, as opposed to cash, Divrei of Shimon. So if Shimon feels the Pasuk is specifically telling you these three categories to exclude cash. You cannot give cash because cash doesn't grow. 
Okay. Rav Lozer ben Yaakov Omer Yotza Prodos. He says, no, cash is fine. I'll tell you why. You could use cash as an investment and it could grow. The only thing you cannot use is a mule because a mule doesn't reproduce, right? Mule doesn't reproduce and therefore it can't be a mule. By the way, the first opinion who excluded cash is not against mules because mules, while they don't reproduce, but they can get heavier and fatter and stronger, and you could sell them at a at a price up. Okay, Rav Shimon Produs Meshachol Bekvayu Rav Elazar Yisavim Avim Bu Iska. Each one is not bothered by the other one because Rav Shimon feels that mules get bigger physically, and therefore the price can go up. Rav Elazar Ben Yaakov, he's cool with cash because he says you could use it as an investment and it can grow. You can make your money grow. Okay, now. So therefore, the, the Pasuk describes sheep, grain, and, and wine to exclude either mules or cash. Now, why do I need all three? If it just said sheep, I would think it has to be a living animal, but it can't be grain. And therefore, the Pasuk says grain as well. And if it just said grain, I would think that it has to be grain and not animals. Therefore, the Pasuk says no. So sheep are fine. Grain is fine. So Yekev, and what does the last part Pasuk do about wine? Lamali, go to the next page. One opinion has that wine excludes cash, and the other one, it excludes mules. Okay. Tanra Abanan. The, the Pasuk says that when you give a severance gift, it's because the slave, because of the slave, Hashem blessed your house. Let me ask you a question. Does that mean that I only have to give a severance gift if my house is blessed? What does it mean my house is blessed? You, uh, you have a guy who's an accountant, yeah? He's a numbers guy. He looks at, he had the slave for the last six years. He looks at his house value and he looks at all his input and he realizes, I have no blessing from this slave. This slave added nothing to my market value. Six years ago, I was making a certain amount and now because of the slave, I'm making less. Maybe I don't have to give a gift because the apostolic says you have to give a gift because Hashem blessed your home. What if he didn't bless my home? So the Gemara says, You might think that if your house didn't go up in value, and I mean the house, I don't mean the physical house, I mean all the items in your house, you're not making more money since you got the slave, maybe I should be exempt from a severance gift. The Pasuk says, to say, no, you have to give a severance gift in all scenarios. Ah, now, if I have to give a gift anyway, then why does Hashem talk about my house being blessed if I have to give a, a gift even if my house is not blessed? The answer is, The answer is, the Pasuk is saying, if your house got blessed by a lot, give him more. Meaning, how much money do you have to give as a severance gift? Either 15, 30, or 50. What if you look at your math and you realize, I made $100 million because of this slave. This slave invented whatever, a certain tequila. I went into business because of it. I made $100 million. You know what? Then give him a bigger severance gift. The Pasuk is saying, give the severance gift based on the blessing that this slave brought to your house. The minimum is 30, 50, and 15. But it could be more. That's the first opinion that you have to give a gift even if he did not bring blessing to your house. Rav Lezben Azariah says, no, Devarim Kichsavan, it's literal. Nisbarech bayis biglolei manikinloi, loi nisbarech bayis biglolei ein manlikinloi. According to Lezben Azariah, you only have to give a severance gift if your house got blessed. If your house was not blessed, you do not have to give a severance gift. So if you do the math and you realize that ever that the slave 
uh, uh, ate more than he produced, you don't have to give him a gift. Oh, so why does the Pasuk say Hanik which is double lush and which implies that you should always give a gift? Sometimes the Torah just writes in the way that people talk. That's how people talk. Hanik is how people talk, but it does not mean you have to give a gift if there was no blessing from that slave. Okay. Tan Rabbanon. Okay, let, let me explain outside. The only thing you have to know is we're basically talking about at what point does the master's death exempt it make the slave go free? So Tan Rabbanon. Evid Ivri, the average Jewish slave, Oved is Haben, he has to, this is not talking about after a piercing. I'm talking about during the first six years. You see, after, after there's a piercing, he'll go free. But I'm talking about the first six years. If during the first six years the master dies, the slave has to serve his son. But let's say he has no son. All he has is a daughter or a sister or a brother. The halach is you're free. You do not have to work for other family members. You only have to work for the son. The reason being, you get one master. That master dies. The son takes over the father's stead. A brother, a sister, or a daughter is considered like a second master. You don't have to get a second master. So, Tanur Abanan, Evid Ivri, the average Jewish slave within the first six years, Ovid is Aben, he has to continue serving the son if the father died. Veina Ovid is Abbas, but he does not have to work for the daughter or brother or sister. Am Evriya, but a Jewish slave woman, if her master dies, she's free. I don't care about the son, she's free. Eina Ovid, Lois Aben, Velos Abbas, a slave woman before bat mitzvah, she goes free at the death of the master, no matter even if the son is around. Hanirza, if you have a slave that had a piercing already, so he's past six years, he's in the piercing, Hanim and you have a Jewish slave that's owned by a guy, okay, so just to summarize, slave woman, if the master dies, automatically free. I don't care about the son, automatically free. Uh, Jewish slave after piercing, slave master dies, automatically free. Sold to a guy and the guy dies, automatically free. The only time that you have to continue working after the master's death is if you're a regular Jewish slave during the first six years and he has a son. You don't have to serve him if he doesn't have a son, if he just has a sister, a brother, a mother, a wife, or a a daughter, but if he has a son, you have to continue serving. So what's the source? If you're an average Jewish slave during the first six years and the master dies, so do you go free? The answer is it depends. If he has a son, you have to keep working. If there is no son, you're free. What's the source? The Pasuk says that you have to work for him six years. Only him and not his brother, his sister, or his daughter, which are considered Yarshim. The son, yes, but not the other people. How do I know that you have to serve when he has a son? The Pasuk says you have to serve six years. That means you have to continue serving the son. So the Pasuk, basically, we have a Pasuk that implies that he has to keep working, a Pasuk that implies that he doesn't keep working. So the answer is, when there's a son, he keeps working. When other members, he does not. Oh, why do you include the son? Again, he's got a son and he's got a brother. One situation, he has a son. One situation, he doesn't have a son, but he has a brother. So when he dies and he has a son, you keep working. When he dies and he has a brother, you don't keep working. Why? So the Gemara says, well, it makes more sense that you would serve when he has a son because the son is an extension of the father regarding what halach is. Two examples. Yiud. Yiud is that if a Jewish slave woman is bought by a, by a Jewish man, right? Amevriya, yeah? 
Yud is the concept, if the master wants to marry her, he could. Now, how is that different than any other marriage? The halach is he doesn't have to give her a of Kedushin. He could just say to her, with the money that I bought you. And she's like, cool. That's one of the few examples that you don't have to give of Kedushin. Same thing for his son. If the master's son wants to marry her, he also doesn't have to give of Kedushin. So the point is, that's another example of, that's an example of how the son is an extension of the father. That they both do not have to give Kesef Kedushin when they want to marry the master's do- the, the slave. That's an example of the son being an extension. A second example is a steyachuzah. Right? If you have an inherited land and you make it hegdish and you, bu- and you buy it out, you buy it back, it goes back to you. Someone else buys it back, it's lost by Yovel. What if the son buys it back? It's back into the family. So you see the son is an extension of the father regarding these two halachas. So therefore it makes sense that when the son is around, you have to keep working the son. As opposed to the brother. Adarab the Gemara says, no, on the contrary. I actually think it makes more sense to continue serving for the brother. Why? Because the brother continues the, 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 the father's legacy, the husband, the brother's legacy when there's Yibam, right? The question is, which one is a more of a continuation of the legacy, the son or the brother? So the Gemara says, I say go son. Because he's, for those two halachas, he's an extension. The Gemara says, go brother, there's Yibam. So Yibam is an Amish extension. So it makes more sense. You have to continue working for the brother. So what's the Gemara's answer? A great answer. The Gemara says, Klom yesh Yibam, makam shem ben. There's only even when there's no son. Meaning, you want to show that the brother is a greater extension than the son because of Yibam. There's only Yibam because there's no son. Had there been a son, the son would be in place of the father. It's Dafka because there's no son that we need someone else to extend the father's life so there's a brother. A brother is a backup because the son, because if there was a son, there'd be no Yibam. So therefore, there's two proofs that the son is greater than the brother. One is that there's only Yibam when there's a son. And also, even when it comes to halachas, there's two halachas that the son is an extension for, as opposed to the brother, one. The steyachuz yud, and the brother is only an extension for Yibam. So the answer is, even by Yibam, he's only an extension because there's no son. So the Gemara says, just a quick question, and that is, why do I need that answer that Yibam, there's only Yibam when there's no son? Forget about it, it's two against one. There's two scenarios where the son is an extension of the father. There's one example where the brother is an extension of the deceased. So go two, with one, two against one. The answer is, The answer is, the source uh, the Pasuk, the, regarding Steachuza, which is again, that if you redeem your, your Magdisha land and then you buy it back, it goes back to you after Yovel. But if I buy it back, Amarando, then it, it's lost during Yovel, it goes to the Kohanim. What if your son buys it out? The halach is, it's part of the family. Brother not, but the, the, the source that the son is an extension is actually learned out because there's no there's only Yibam when there's no son. I mean, the Pasuk actually never said son. We only learn it out from this argument. So it's really one against one. But the son wins because the, that argument that Yibam shows an extension is only because there is no son. Okay, let us finish up. We're by the two dots. 819. Let's do it. Got 10 minutes. We'll finish up the daf. Not hard. Okay. We said the, that by a slave woman, a girl under bat mitzvah, and a Jewish slave that's owned by a guy, and a Jewish slave after piercing, all of them go free when the master dies. You don't serve the son, you don't serve the brother, they all go free. What's the source? The Pasuk says that a slave girl is treated like the piercing slave. 
Just like a Jew after piercing, the slave after piercing goes free automatically with the master's death. So to the slave girl does not serve the master's son or brother, automatically goes free. So it's learned out from the piercing. So wait a minute. So you're telling me what's the source that Amevriya uh, goes free with the death? Because she's treated like a nirza with the piercing. Piercing goes free, as we'll see in a moment. So too, the slave girl goes free. I thought the pasuk uses, is used for something else. The pasuk says that the pasuk is comparing a slave girl to a piercing, not regarding going free, but rather that they both get a severance gift. Wait a minute. The Gemara says, maybe is it to tell you that they both get a severance gift, or maybe it means that the slave girl should get a piercing as well? The Pesach says regarding piercings, Dafka male, not a female. Therefore, it can't be piercing. So what does the Pesach compare in Amevriya to the piercing? It must be regarding severance gift. So one second. So you're telling me, I know they're compared. So you're telling me they're compared that they both go free after the master's death. I thought they're compared regarding that they both get severance gifts. So which one is it? The answer is both. How so? The answer is, the Pasuk is telling me that they both get severance gifts. The extra Tasa tells me that they both go free if the master died. Okay, so it's learned out from both. Now, how do I know that if someone had a piercing and he's staying past Shemitah, past the six years, before Yoival, the, the, the master dies, he goes free. What's the source? Because it says piercings. The pasuk says that he shall work after the piercing. He shall work for the master. The master and not his son. Okay, that's the source. How do I know that if you're bought by a guy and the guy dies, you don't work for the son? The pasuk says, he, he works with the master. He never has to work with the son of the master. That's another source. Phenomenal. So this says the Gemara, Amarava, says the Rava, you see from this, as Adam said, you see from this sugya that Goyim are in, do inherit their fathers biblically. Meaning, the question, we know that by Judaism there's Yerusha. Father dies, the son gets it. By Goyim also, does the Torah believe that when a guy dies, his junior, you know, his junior, his son also gets it? The answer is it must be. Why? The fact that the Torah has to tell me that in this case, you don't work for the son implies that the son, Taka, there is Yerusha in general. Because if there's no Yerusha, what do you have to tell me for? It must be by going, there is Yerusha. And this is the exception. The Gemara says, Biblically, a guy inherits his father after his father's death. Because the Pasuk specifically says over here, you don't have to work for the son. Which implies that the son actually should inherit you, but this is the exception. Okay, from here until the end, Mamish, it's 8.23, we'll be 8.24, we're done in four minutes. The Gemara now says, so Goyim inherit each other, yes. What about a Ger? So you have a guy, and then his son converted. So does the son inherit the father biblically, or do you say no? Now if the son was a guy still, he would. But now that he's Jewish, 
Does that mean that he biblically does not inherit? So says the Gemara, Ger is The halacha is that when a Jew converts, he only inherits his Goyesha father rabbinically, but not biblically. How do I know this? So if again, you have a Christian, Christian has a son, the son converts, he's now Chaim, Christian dies, Chaim inherits his father rabbinically, but not biblically. I mean, the rabbis made it that you inherit him, but Minatari you don't inherit him. Minatar, you don't get the money, but they're Abana, they made you get the money. How do I know this? Because Titnan. The halach is, the Mishnah says, Let's say you have again, Christian died, he has two sons. He's got Chaim who converted, and he's got Christian Jr. So you got a Jew and a guy. The father dies. So the question is, can the Jewish son tell the guy his brother? Again, he's a convert, but you understand. He tells his brother, hey, you get all the crosses, I'll get all the apples, right? The father had a cross and apple business. So the Jew doesn't want to get benefit from the Avodah So he says, listen, before we split up the, the everything, the estate, can we just do it that I get the apple business, you get the cross business and make it easy? The halach is yes. Now, by the way, stop right there. If he actually biblically inherited it, he wouldn't be able to do that. Because if it's, if it's min Torah, that means the second the father dies, you get 50%. And then you wouldn't be able to, to swap it out. Unless you hold a Brera. Brera wouldn't permit it, but Tyson says put aside Brera. But if you don't say Brera, then that means I get 50%. The very fact that I'm able, that the, that the son is able to say to his Goyesha brother, listen, I'll get the apples, you get the crosses, means that it's not the rice, it's just the Rabbana. Oh. Now the Brisa does, the Mishnah does an off. Now, by the way, just Agav, let's say the, the, the convert kid didn't know this, so he signs on the paper that he gets 50% of the estate, the other one gets 50% of the estate, then he asks the rabbi, and he goes, oh, I own 50% of the crosses. You can't swap it out, because then you're benefiting from the crosses. It's too late. But before, you'd be able to. But wait a minute. Why would you be able to? It must be the inheritance is only derabonon. So the Gemara says, if you actually believe that a, a convert inherits his, Jew, his Gaisha father biblically, then even, even you wouldn't be able to make the arrangement at all. Because you're benefiting from a guy, from, from my idolatry. It must be derabonon. It must be rabbinic. And the rabbis did this. Um, that the rabbis gave the, the, the so why by the way why did the rabbis do it that you inherit the Gaisha father the answer is because if not we're afraid that converts will go off the derech right because imagine the, the father's super super wealthy and the converts like oh I converted so I get nothing I don't need this you know you get it rabbinically fine now let's just finish up so you're telling me that, that the reason why you're able to split up the, the inheritance is because it's not biblical I'll prove it to you the Bryce says Okay, because the Bryce specifically says this Eitzah of the, the brother saying to the other brother, the convert saying to the guy, I'll get the apples, you get the crosses, is only by inheritance. But by a business, they wouldn't be able to. What's the difference? The answer is business is Daraisa, inheritance is Darabana. One last sugya, 827 will be done by 830. One last sugya, we're almost done. Okay, the last one is, so we did Goy to Goy Daraisa, Ger to Goy Darabonon. What about the opposite? Goy to Ger. What if the father converted and the son is a guy? So the Gemara says, ger to ger, uh, a guy to ger or ger to ger. Right? So you have the father converted, the father's Chaim. His son is Christian Jr. He stayed a guy. So does Christian Jr. inherit Chaim when he dies, when Chaim dies? Or let's say Christian Jr. also converted. So you have two 
goyim that converted, a father son converted, so they're not related. What is the inheritance deal? So it says the Gemara, there is no inheritance, neither biblically or rabbinically, nothing. So therefore, if the Jew converts and his son stays a guy, his son does not inherit him whatsoever, neither biblically or rabbinically. How do I know this? The halacha is that if a convert, you borrow money from a convert, and then instead of paying back the convert, you pay back his son, you're not yoitza. Why? Because his son has no shaykhus with him. That's the point. So if Chaim converts and his son remains Christian Jr. and you borrowed from Chaim and you paid back Christian Jr. the money, you're not yoitza. Why? Because his son has no shaykhus. Therefore, his son does not inherit him neither biblically or rabbinically. The Gemara says, wait a minute. I thought you are allowed to pay the son if the son converts. The answer is, The answer is, when did he convert? If Chaim had a son, again, Christian and Christian Jr. Christian converts Chaim. And then he tells his son, hey, you should also convert. He says, all right, fine. The kid's 10 years old, he converts. They have no shaykhs from each other, money-wise. When Chaim dies, his son does not inherit him. If you pay his son, the pay the debts for Chaim, it doesn't work. But what if Chaim converts and his wife is pregnant? And then his wife converts while she's pregnant. The halacha is... Because she converted while she was pregnant, the baby is considered Chaim's son. And therefore it's considered, because the baby was born as a Jew, maybe not conceived as a Jew, but born as a Jew, it's considered the Chaim's son, and therefore you're Yoytza. So that would be the situation. The only situation where you could pay back the son, and there is Yerusha, is where the son converted while she was the mother was pregnant. So at the end of the day, she, the kid's born a Jew. Not conceived as a Jew, but born a Jew. But if the baby was born as a guy and then converted, no sheikh is to the father. Stop here.